Gadara was one of those lock your doors, roll up the windows, and duck when you're driving kind of cities. But Gadara was beautiful. Beneath its rubble and ruin, archaeologists found theaters and bathhouses along Gadara's column-lined streets. Gadara was a beautiful city, but it was a terrorized city because of two guys. When everybody saw these two guys, they rolled up their window until it squeaked and pushed the lock button just a few more times to make sure. Everybody was scared of these guys, but nobody could do anything with them. They were too strong for Gadara's strongest men. They tried to bind them with chains, but they snapped the chains like popsicle sticks. These two guys were untamable because they were both demon-possessed. Night and day they lived in the tombs and in the mountains crying and cutting themselves with stones. As you tried to lay your head on your pillow at night, you could hear them in the distance in the cemetery like two wolves wailing at the top of their lungs. It was impossible to sleep. These madmen would not concede any peace or quiet to the sweet citizens of Gadara. Everybody wanted rid of them, but nobody could get rid of them. And there was one piercing truth they could not ignore. These two were not animals. They were people. They were men who were once boys. They were somebody's sons, somebody's brothers. But somewhere in their lives, they opened a door to demonic activity. And thousands of demons came bursting through the door, broke it off the hinges, and a thousand chains could not make them leave. It would take an act of God to free them. Well, thankfully for them, God just landed on their shore. Good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to Testify on Simplify. When they saw Jesus' boat hit the beach, these two men hot-footed it to Jesus, and they worshipped Jesus. Thousands of Hale's special forces could not keep them away from Jesus. A quick commercial. If you broke all Ten Commandments before 8 o'clock this morning, you can still be set free. If you want to be free, if you want to worship Jesus, you can be delivered, and Hale does not have enough part-time or full-time prison guards to keep you from falling at Jesus' feet and worshiping Him. And we're back. Everybody was scared of these two, but not Jesus. Jesus knew who they were, and they knew who he was. It's, it's interesting. Even after a dozen miracles, Jesus' faithful but mostly faithless disciples were still a little fuzzy on just who is this Jesus. But the devils knew who he was. They knew he was more than just a man. He was God incarnate, God in human flesh. And they asked Jesus a very telling question. They asked him, what are you doing here? Are you coming to defeat us before it's our time? (laughs) They didn't even challenge Jesus to a fight. They knew it wouldn't be a fair fight. Thousands of devils versus one almighty God. They didn't stand a chance. Then Jesus turned around and asked them a question. What is your name? And they bowed up and responded, Legion, for we are many. If they couldn't defeat Jesus, maybe they could intimidate him. There are around 5,000 soldiers and a fully staffed Roman legion. There may have been 5,000 demons inside these two men. But they still knew they didn't stand a chance, so they negotiated terms of surrender. They begged Jesus not to send them back where they came from. They asked Jesus to send them into a herd of pigs. Jesus nodded and simply said, Go. And when Jesus said go, 
around 5,000 demons who terrorized an entire city to the point of paranoia and sentenced two grown men to a life of howling and wailing in the tombs, obeyed Jesus' one word. Those demons ran with a fury out of those two men into a herd of 2,000 pigs. The pigs went crazy. The entire herd plunged down the hillside and drowned in the lake like lemmings following one another over the cliff until 2,000 pigs floated in the lake. Now, what took 20 verses in the Bible really only took a matter of minutes. In fact, it probably took less time for this miracle to occur than it took for me to tell you about it. This ordinary day in Gadara started off with two maniacs in the cemetery crying and cutting and 2,000 pigs feeding in the pasture. The out of the ordinary became ordinary in Gadara. The Gadarenes, they just learned to live with it. But once Jesus showed up, these two once uncontrollable, unclothed, demoniacs ended up sitting still, clothed, and in their right mind. And 2,000 pigs ended up over the cliff and in the sea. Now that is a turn of events. When the city saw the two men sitting and the 2,000 pigs floating, the locals ran to tell everybody what they had just seen and what Jesus had just done. And the masses rushed out to see, is it really true? Is there really someone out there stronger than those two supernaturally strong men? Was there really somebody who could and would deliver this duo of demoniacs? Then scripture records this very out-of-place phrase. It's like a cactus on a hockey rink. The Bible says the city prayed Jesus. They begged Jesus to leave and leave them alone. I don't understand that. It's the most unusual reaction I've ever heard to a miracle. Moms and dads had their sons back. Sisters had their brothers back. Gadara was free of their two terrorists. Bring on the tourists. We got rid of the terrorists. It's time to celebrate. Close the stores. Cancel the classes. It's time for a festival. Let's unfurl the banners. Let's blow the trumpets. Let's rejoice. A thank you note would be in order. Maybe offer Jesus and his hungry dozen a meal at Gadara's grill on the house. Make Jesus mayor for a day. Give him a key to the city. But they gave Jesus the boot. I would think you would worship him at best, thank him at least, but they begged Jesus to leave. I don't get it. They gained two men. They lost 2,000 pigs. I still think they came out ahead. But one scholar says Gadara was a Greek city, so pork chops were on the menu. Maybe they missed sausage wrapped in bacon at Gadara's grill. For whatever reason, they kicked Jesus out of their city. God had come in flesh to them. And they told him to leave. So as Jesus and his trusty 12 were heading back to the boat, these two men begged Jesus, would you please let us go with you? I've never felt anything like this before. We've had some good church. Would you please let us go with you? And we'll testify. We'll tell people everywhere you go about what you've done. And Jesus' response to these two is almost as odd as the town's response to him. I would think Jesus would welcome these guys the more the merrier. After all, that's how you grow a church, right? By adding more people. But Jesus told them no. Jesus told them they could not just follow him and keep having good church. Rather, he sent them home with homework. 
because there was something they could do in their world that would make more of a difference in their world than just camping out with Peter, James, John, and the boys and having more good church with Jesus. Jesus said, Go back to your family and your friends and tell them everything God has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. These two had a higher and holier calling than just being in Jesus' fan club from miracle to miracle. Jesus called them to testify of him. They had a very real testimony that God had changed their lives and their eternity. And God gave it to them so they could share it with others who knew them best. Nobody knows you like your family and friends. And nobody needs to hear your testimony like your family and friends. What if God gave you that job you have, not just to put a roof over your head and food on your table, but because there's somebody there who knows who you are now, but knows what you used to be back then, and they can't put their finger on what happened to you or when, but they just know you're different. They need you to testify. Take the witness stand at work or at school or in the teller line and testify what you have seen God do in your life and others. Nothing testifies more powerfully to the power of God than our testimony. These two were the first missionaries Jesus ever sent, and they didn't know theology. They hadn't been in Sunday school or learned the book of Romans and midweek Bible study. They couldn't tell you the difference between justification and sanctification. Here's all they knew. I was lost. Jesus found me. I was bound. You could even see the scars on my wrists where I used to be bound with chains, but now I'm free. I I used to cut myself with stones. You could see the scars and the wounds on my hands, on my arms, and the strongest chains and the strongest men could not hold us. Everybody was afraid of us. We were hopeless and homeless until one day when the thousands of devils inside of us met their match in the man Christ Jesus. And now I'm free to testify to you about what God has done for me. I want to issue the same commission to us. Let's go home. Let's go home to our friends and our family and tell them what great things God has done for us. Moms and dads, tell your kids, even your grown kids, about the time God saved you and the times God has healed you. Tell your family and friends about the times the pantry and the bank account were empty, but you prayed and somebody came to the door with groceries. Testify. Share it. Tell it. Tweet it. Post it. Write about it. Sing about it. Write a song, then sing about it. Our world needs a church with a testimony and unashamed to testify. If your testimony is like mine and you were brought up in church, don't be ashamed of your testimony. You have one of the greatest, most powerful testimonies. Your testimony is God has kept you from scars. He does not have to heal you from. That's powerful. When we receive the Spirit, we receive power to be witnesses. And truth is on trial, which is why God is calling His church in this last day to take the stand and testify to the world what we have seen and heard. I was lost, but Jesus found me. Let's do what Jesus told them to do, what He told us to do. Let's testify. How about right now we pray for God to give us boldness to testify and to allow us to be a witness for him of all the grace and the goodness he has shown to us. Dear Jesus, you are so good to us. You have done more than we will ever deserve. We have never been able to earn even one miracle you have worked. I'm asking you today, Lord, to please minister to all of those who are listening. Help us to testify. 
Help us to tell our family and our friends the goodness of God and of the goodness of God and all you've done for us and how you have had compassion on us. Use us for your glory, Jesus. Give us boldness, give us courage, and then help us to share the testimony you've already given us with those who need to hear it. I pray it today and I love you for it. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Thanks so much, Simplify listeners. I hope this episode has been a blessing to you. Please share it. Make sure to subscribe and you will never miss an episode and neither will any of your friends. Visit PentecostalPublishing.com. A couple of books I'd love for you to check out. Simplify, the devotional that launched this podcast and 10 Words, a practical look at the Ten Commandments. And then, of course, a plethora, a whole library of other books and resources there that would be a blessing to you. You could also pick up Simplify and 10 Words at Amazon for Kindle and listen to 10 Words on Audible. If you've got some of those credits burning a hole in your digital pocket, you can listen to 10 Words on Audible. I am working on a new book about the Beatitudes. I'm a few chapters in, hopefully have that sometime in the kind of near future. But I am looking forward to releasing that. Just wanted to let you know about that. Next week, I want to share with you a devotion called 12 Years. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week. And always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.